0: Hello and welcome to Success Agreed Nation to this new episode of the Success Agreed podcast with your host Susan Talib. In this episode, I'm speaking with Bronson Hill about building wealth through real estate investing. Also, what he learned from talking with over 1,000 high net worth investors. So stay tuned, listen closely. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the show to get more people. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Success Grid Podcast. My guest in this episode is Bronson Hill. He is a general partner at 1,500 multifamily units worth over $150 million. Bronson is the author of the single best investment strategy during or after a pandemic. Bronson,
1: welcome to The Grid. Hey, really excited to be in The Grid, man. You guys are doing some great work here. Really excited to add value in any way I can and have a great conversation.
0: Awesome, awesome to have you here. So we were talking like seconds ago. So you are basically an entrepreneur, an investor. You're involved in multiple things, in real estate and
1: businesses online. Give us a little bit of an insight about you. Right, so um, I started, I was, for years, I was in medical consulting. So I worked for a manufacturer of medical device products. So I worked in surgery, helping cardiologists or heart physicians to work on patients. And I wanted to uh, stop doing it because I wanted to get control over my time. And I realized I was making a lot of money for someone else. And so I basically said, I also, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to try to grow uh, as an individual. So I basically started buying single family houses, which, um, you know, in the different states in the U S and I started renting them out. So I had a property management company and I was renting these out. I had four or five houses, but I realized it was a lot of work. And a lot of people, I think, no matter where you live, what a country you live in, it's just people know real estate is a great way to become wealthy, but there are certain ways that are better than others. And so I had a, uh, a mentor, which was a cousin of mine. He showed up and he had been doing apartments or multifamily investing for years. And he said, you know, these, these houses, this, this sounds you know like a lot of work. He's like, why don't you just stop that and, and do apartments? And I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. And he said, well, you can raise the money. And so I learned about this thing called the syndication, which is basically how you structure and you pool investors together and you're able to buy large apartment buildings. Now we do it in the US. There's also, it's kind of known as private equity in other parts of the, of the world real estate private equity, but uh, it allows you to use other people's money to uh, you know raise money to go buy apartments. And uh, it's a way I've been able to about 20X my net worth in the last four or five years and become a general partner in, uh, now it's actually over 2,000 apartment units. So it's been it's been fun. And actually, there's a lot of tie-in with the online presence and growing an online business and growing your network. And so um, I think the story is, is applicable to a lot of people, but it's also something people might say, hey, I want to actually learn how to do this as well because I think it's a very compelling business.
0: Yeah, so you now talked about there, there's integration in your business between real estate and being online. So first of all, do you think in general, to separate the two, for example, which is better in general, to start an online business or to be in real estate for people who are, let's say, looking to start something new to generate revenue and income for themselves?
1: Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, there, there are businesses, some businesses and in some industries are better than others. Now, in the US, my background was was sales. So if I was in an industry like selling used cars or used automobiles, um, it doesn't really pay that well. It's a very competitive business. It's you work hard. There's a reputation around used car salespeople that they're just not very ethical people. But if I sold airplanes or if I sold, uh, like I did, medical devices or I sold, you know, multi million dollar real estate, I could make a lot of money. So I think it's important, you know, whether you sell online or you sell or, you, or whatever your business is, it's looking at the economics of the business, right? So the business of real estate. No matter where you live uh, there's a lot of money trying to find its way into real estate in and out of real estate if you can find a way to get involved with that i think it's a great industry to be in some people do it where they uh, flip houses or they buy stuff and fix it up and sell it or they are a broker where they uh, help to help other people sell their properties i don't like that as much because it's more of a transactional business right you have to work more and it allows you to be able to sell Uh, with an online especially with real estate online business with real estate, it allows me to uh, not be tied to a location, to scale up uh, my education on a platform, which is what I have. I have about 5,000 people on my list. I've got a number of investors and I've traveled five times internationally this year, recording this in August. And so it allows me to have a a more free life as well as generate good revenue for me as an individual. So I, I love it as an online business. It's not only online, there's some in person as well, but it allows me to have some flexibility over my time
0: okay can, can we go and expand on this and explain how basically because when i hear for example real estate that means that i should go to the place or the home or whatever physical location and do the thing there and do the deals and contracts there and show the people the place so how it's done the
1: process yeah so uh, that, a lot of people think too especially when you're going after smaller things that you know i'll, I'll buy a house or i'll buy an apartment and i will rent that out or condo and i'll do the work and i'll manage it all myself uh, when you start thinking in terms of bigger numbers or bigger properties it opens up a lot more opportunities now in the u.s i don't know how it exists uh you know in other parts of the world but the u.s has something really unique where there's a lot of financing available to go buy apartment buildings so sometimes you can put 20 percent down or 25 percent of the total purchase price down and you can finance the rest and um you know a unique thing about it is uh, you know the, the larger the property, in some ways the easier and the more efficient it gets. So right now we're buying a 227 unit apartment complex in Florida um, and we're putting you know a certain percentage down. Well we have a, a full-time property manager who's dedicated to that property. We have a leasing agent there. We've got multiple on-site maintenance people that are there. And my partner helps with the asset management, making sure things operate. So I, I, I'm I live in California. He's in Florida. That's a long way. You know, it's a a, a five six hour plane ride. Mm-hmm. So my business really is involved around the education of it. Right, a lot of people have a money problem, meaning they have. Money and they don't know where to invest it. They don't know where to put it. So, what I do is I educate them on how it works. Everybody knows they should do real estate, right? But they don't want to deal with the things you mentioned. They don't want to deal with the tenants. They don't want to deal with the toys. They don't want to do all this work. So, is there a way they could do it passively? So, what I do is I educate people that are wealthy or business professionals or other things on how they can get into this asset without it taking up more of their time. So, my value proposition is hey, we can try to, you know, the goal is there's no guarantees, but, you know, in general, our goal is to take a $100,000 $100,000 investment and try to double it in five years. That's a, that's a pretty standard plan for us. Uh, sometimes it goes way better. Sometimes it doesn't go as well as that. But in general, that's, that's a goal that we try to go for. So as we educate people, my business really is on the education side and it's having connections with investors. So I do all of that online to help create more of a presence for my business. Well,
0: that's great because a lot of people, for example, if we are talking about real estate, sometimes I think there is some kind of a fear related to it of what happened back in 2008 right do you think that it's a risky business or it's a safe one
1: um i think 2008 2007, 2009 uh were were a special time i think there was um we can look back at least to the us and just around the world there was a lot of there were a lot of loans being given at least here for people that really shouldn't have qualified for them and we could really look at it and say it's a bubble well, in the U.S., and I think all around the world, there's been, I can say in the U.S., over a 24-month period, they created 40.9% new currency. So they just have all this new money out there. And in general, if you look at uh, you know, inflation and what rents cost, I mean, at least in the U.S., I imagine it's elsewhere. It's just an equation, right? The more money you create, the more rents generally go up. So I look at it as a very safe investment, okay. because you can see the, the trend line of, hey, here's where inflation is and here's where rents are. And it's almost, it's completely correlated where you see it kind of going up. So there may be some fluctuations in the valuation, but if you buy it right, one way we try to really uh, you know, reduce risk, because again, you know, Warren Buffett, who I really follow a lot as a famous investor, he said, rule number one of investing is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget about <laughs> rule number one. It's just whatever you invest in, just don't lose money, right? So you always want to have what he calls a margin of safety. So the margin of safety we have is right now, for example, the current property we're working on, the rents in each unit are $922 per unit. And we know if we spend $6,000 per unit, so out of these 227 units, we spend $6,000 just to the floors, the walls, we do some work in the kitchen, a couple of new appliances, that the going rate is $1,460. So that's almost a 60% upside. So as long as we can achieve those renovations in that property, we have this, we call it a value add approach, right? So if you buy brand new apartments and you only expect, hey, things are always going to go up forever, well, there's some risk in that. What if things do come down? But the fact if we're buying stuff that's a little older, we're renovating it, uh, it's called forced appreciation. So we know that's in the market, even if rents come down a little bit, we've still got a huge buffer there. So we like looking for things like that where we find that margin of safety, where, you know, uh if things go great, we're going to do phenomenally well. If things don't go well, we're still going to do fine, and in general, we're probably going to do we're going to do well, right? So we try to make sure that we have some margin in there.
0: Yeah. So speaking of this, I think like in the past week or so, something like that, the Federal Federal Reserve in the U.S. like made a session, and uh, I didn't really follow through it, but I think maybe they increased the interest rates, right? And the Bank yeah. of England also did the same. So does that? Basically, from what I know, in the U.S., two, two increases in, uh, in interest rates, meaning that there is inflation, there is a recession. So if that's the case now, for example, now we are recording, we're talking here, it's uh, it's August now, early August. So does that affect these kind of businesses, especially in real estate?
1: Right. So one of the best places to be in a recession is in workforce housing or multifamily apartments or uh, some sort of you know uh, middle class housing, and so with apartment buildings, um, you think of it like in the U.S. Again, I, I can't speak to other contexts such as Jordan, but you know when people in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, if they lost their houses, where did they go? They went to working class apartments, and that's what we have uh, now. Another risk that people don't talk about because what'll happen is the confused mind always says no, right? If it's like oh, this just I don't know this, there seems there's some risk here, and yeah, rates are rising. Uh, we typically have uh, a fixed rate or at least a cap on our interest rates, so we know that our interest rate over the next three—actually, it's actually four years because we have three years plus a one-year extension—will not go above six and a half percent. So we know, as long as we can do the renovations, we're going to be just fine. Um, now, I will say, you know, as long as we can renovate, we can make sure that that uh, can happen. We'll be in good shape. But what I mentioned about the inflation is inflation is something. Again, in the U.S., we're talking about it a lot. The official rate here. Is nine point one percent, but when you actually look at the unofficial rate, it's around fifteen to seventeen percent. When you look at the cost mm. of housing, you look at the how much you know uh, petrol, gasoline is costing. Uh, it's it's much much higher. So if that's the case, a confused mind says, "I'm just not going to do anything." Um, if people wait two years, they could have lost somewhere between thirty five and forty percent of the value of their wealth. So I look at in you know investments that are inflation hedged, and I think there, to me there's no better place to be. Then out of you know your currency because again you know currency isn't money it's just the way we store value so getting out of the dollars or getting out of your local currency whatever country you're in and getting it into an asset that has a hedge that it's very difficult to you know create new apartments it's not going to be any cheaper in the future to create them and they really there's no technological advancement that has come where people are not going to need a roof over their head and a place to sleep right we've never we don't have any sort of you know with all the disruption happening there's no foreseeable technology that's going to do away with that. So we know that at least in the US, there's a big shortage of housing. So you know there are different factors as it goes with this, but I think in general, um, I think some people will wait, but I think right now it's an incredible opportunity. So you
0: mentioned that Warren Buffett said, don't lose money, right? Uh, Do you think, for example, for people not to lose money, what should they do with their money? Should they save it or do you don't believe in saving money?
1: Yeah. So I wrote uh, an ebook recently. It's called uh, how to use inflation to your advantage. It's at my website, bronsonequity.com. Uh, and so people can download it for free, but it's 50 pages. It basically just says there's several ways you can use inflation to your advantage because the poor and middle class, they usually get punished by inflation, right? If, if you don't uh, you know, if you, every time you go to the pump, you're filling up, you're paying for fees for different things, services are going up, food is going, everything's going up, and you're going to be punished by that unless you can make inflation your friend, and you can have it work for you. And how you do that is you buy assets. So Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he says, an asset is something that puts money in your pocket every month, and a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket each month. Right. So uh, a house you live in is not necessarily an asset because it doesn't necessarily pay you. It still costs you to live there, but a rental house or a rental property is. So the idea is if you can buy stuff, especially if you can get debt. So even at six and a half percent, we said inflation is between 9.1 and 17 percent. I'll take all the six and a half percent debt I can get. Right. Because I'm actually bo- borrowing at a rate below inflation. And then when I pay off in the future, I'm paying off with future currency that's worth less. So, and I know the asset in the long term is going to be worth more because they keep creating more currency. So that's, that's how people get ahead in real estate is they use leverage. They use debt to be able to buy assets and they pay off in future dollars and they know the asset's going to be worth more. So it's, this is, this is an opportunity where people get really, really wealthy if they understand how to safely use leverage. I'm not giving anybody any specific advice, but it's something to consider. Um, there are other ways you can store value. I like, um, Precious metals such as gold or silver. There's a monetary history of over 5,000 years of these things. Mm. Uh, Some people like Bitcoin or crypto. We've seen a lot of volatility there lately. But (laughs) um, you know, it's that's
0: this one is very volatile. It's not safe investment. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's not really an investment. I would say um, I would say physical metals. I think are a great place to store because you know the more currency they create. You can't just you know show okay here's more gold or here's more. So what are the things that you can't easily create more of? You can't easily create more assets such as real estate or precious metals or other commodities. If you invest in uh, oil or other sort of you know types of commodities, those are hard to just immediately you know produce. So I, I think all of those things are positives, but where it gets really magical is if you can find debt to go buy assets.
0: Yeah. So because you you now mentioned some examples, like, for example, real estate and uh, gold and silver, right? Do you think there is other or more things that people can get as an assets or these are the main things that they can have as assets?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a lot more I think it's basically anything real I mean some people um, you know politically you know and I don't know in what country you know this is allowed but sometimes people will have uh, guns or ammunition you know just not necessarily as a protection but just as a hedge right so anything that you create that's tangible that's physical that's real that that is tradable um, I think is good I also think having a great business right now is great because if you have a great business, and you have loyal people to your business they're going to pay those increases well everybody knows that rates are going up you know at least in the US you know 10 15% a year they, everything's costing more so i think having Uh, a great business, having some skills that you can adapt to the marketplace. I mean, what happens is when you have times like this, historically, you have a lot of disruption, right? Everything changes. So people are always looking for opportunities to save money. They're looking for opportunities to find value. So if in your online business or somebody who's creating an online business, if they can find a way to create value for people. There's always going to be opportunity for that. So I think, um, you know, another asset is not just the things that you buy or the things you invest in, but it's also what you're creating and how you're serving people. And I feel like if you can create an Enough value for enough people, you'll you'll you know you'll do great. Zig Ziglar was a, motiva- he was a motivational speaker. He said, um, "You know, you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want." So that's how people get paid: is, is we find a way to create value that people will pay for.
0: Yeah. So speaking of this point, exactly adding value, how do you, for example, uh, suggest to people or biz- people who want to be entrepreneurs in general and have a business? how they can add value, what are the, for for example, the process, or what is the
1: thing that they should focus on? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, uh, I think the most important thing when it comes to any business, especially an online business, is really trying to figure out who you're trying to serve, and getting really specific on that. So to me, when I started this, I realized I wanted to start it with a very specific person in mind. So there's a guy I used to work with, and he doesn't know this, so don't tell him, but there was a guy named Bart, and he worked in medical sales or medical consulting. And he was, he was, you know, his late 50s, mid-50s. And I kind of knew what his problems were. He had he had two teenage kids. He was getting ready to send them off to university. So and he did he kind of like necessarily didn't like his job, but he couldn't retire, right? Because he didn't have enough income to be able to retire. So I started thinking about like I did a big I have a two or three page spreadsheet here's here's Bart's concerns in life. Here's his issues. He wants to send his kid, he wants to retire. He wants to like these are the concerns he has. And then whenever I anything in my business i ask the question does this serve bart and if it doesn't serve bart then i probably shouldn't do it but a lot of times we start a business and we think i'm just going to blast this out it's going to be everything to everybody but yet it ends up serving nobody so but if you pick one person with one particular set of problems uh people will really jump latch onto that and resonate so i would say that's the biggest thing is find out who you're we call it an avatar. Find out who is the specific person. What's their name? What's their age? Where do they live? What's the biggest problem? What keeps them up at night? Where do they hang out? What are the things that they're using now? What problems do they have? And once you can really get into that, even before you have a product, you'll you'll start to understand. So I think if you can you know figure out who you have served in the past, and just figure out you know who. Like where's the opportunity, or who who are like can can I serve? But I think when you start with just a very specific person or an avatar, it can be very helpful. Yeah. So
0: I, I saw that you basically talked or learned from about more than a thousand investors. Right? Is that correct?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So I. Yeah. What did you learn from? I don't want to say from the more but what to yeah. have heard from some
1: <laughs> well how much time do we have i can go to every single one is um <laughs> no, I I've actually I've spoken up with over 1300 now 1300 investors one on one over half hour zoom calls and basically you know they have a lot of common uh problems at least people that I talk to a lot of these people are wealthy they have uh maybe their physicians their business owners their lawyers and a lot of them they they they're very interested in uh you know reducing like saving time they don't have a lot of time a lot of people are very very busy people uh they're also very interested in reducing taxes so uh there are ways in the u.s and different countries of the world where there are different tax incentives Um, some people call them loopholes i call them incentives but in every country there's ways you can reduce or potentially eliminate your taxes because governments put incentives in there for example with housing Uh, where they'll say, hey, if you help be a part of creating housing for this particular group, and in this way, you can reduce or maybe eliminate your taxes. So people say, uh, there's a guy named Tom Wheelwright, who wrote a book called Tax-Free Wealth, and he speaks all over the world. And he just says, like, you know, people say in different countries, oh, you can't do this here. But then there are ways, there are ways the government allows for business owners, or things to reduce or save taxes. So that's very important. And then also, um, you know, people are interested in retiring, they're interested, how do I create enough, even if I make a lot of money, let's say I, you know, I make a million dollars a year, um, but if I leave, I don't make any money. So what do I do that's going to help generate cash flow? And so people um, generally are interested in growing wealth, they're interested in going cash flow, how they can leave their job and how they can really move forward. So I think that those are all primary things for people that are very wealthy. I'd say one last thing is that they're also very interested in learning. So like a podcast like this, they're interested in learning how to, to to grow, because, you know, there's a saying by Brian Tracy, if you want to earn more, you have to learn more, yeah. right? So it's a catchphrase, but it's also true. It's like, you know, really the, ne- the way to get to the next level is to educate yourself, not necessarily through going to university or doing a master's program, but, but actually going and, and taking information in and meeting new people and all this stuff, networking and education is very powerful
0: that's very learning is very important it's a continuous continuous process you, it's not sometimes it's, it relates to some people that you go to school or college or university but it's not actually what you learn outside of these walls is what is more important actually
1: right so
0: yeah. yes do you, do you think people in general should focus on 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 the money side of things or on learning and developing and having passion for what they do and not
1: pursue the money first? That's a good question. I mean, I think um, I think it's important to look at both because, uh, for example, I am I, I enjoy music, so I, I write songs. Over the years, I've written about a hundred songs, and I enjoy that. And for a while, I was thinking I was going to become a professional songwriter. This was a number of years ago, but then I realized, like I was talking about the industry, right? The industry uh, of you know selling cars may not be as good, and selling used cars. Well, it's even worse in writing music. I mean, it's very difficult to make any money writing music. I mean, you can make money if you have a hit song, but it's very, 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 very difficult. So I think it is important to think about the economics of the business that you're going in. Uh, For example, restaurants in general, it's typically a pretty low margin business, right? And it's a very high labor. If you know anybody that's ever owned a restaurant or maybe a family that's owned a restaurant, they're always working. And sometimes the margins are very low. They're usually less than, you know, five or 10% margins, which is terrible. So I think it's important to think about kind of where those things align, where's the opportunity as far as financially and how does that align with your passion? Are you, can you get excited about this? You know, I mean, to me, I have friends that sell insurance. I just couldn't get excited about selling insurance. I don't like, I mean, you know, managing risk is not just that exciting to me. I, mean, I have respect for people that do it, but you gotta find something that really gets you going, gets you excited, you can talk about it. When I talk about real estate investing, I get really excited about it and that's contagious. So if you can't get excited about it, you shouldn't be involved with it.
0: Yeah, so so you mentioned the word opportunity and it's it's, it's a big word because sometimes we see if, for example, two things or two businesses one, basically the same thing one is having great success and the other is not so how can people in general find this opportunity for themselves do they what do they need to look for where or what do they need to look
1: for are you talking about with real estate real estate or in general if you have any ideas around about that uh yeah so i think you know with with uh, there's some application i think from what we do in real estate so Um, a lot of what I do, people kind of ask sometimes, well, what do you, what would you say you do? Right? Like, what do you spend your time doing? Right? And it's kind of hard to describe because I don't, you know, I, I do invest in property. I invest my own money. I do go visit properties occasionally. Uh, but I, I basically spent a lot of time creating content. So I look at this interview, this is creating content that someone's going to listen to. And they're like, you know, I really like that. There's something I heard there and they're going to want to reach out. And so I have a way that people can connect, they can download my ebook, they can get on my list. Maybe they'll invest in a deal. So I, I think it's just like, I, I really like the thought leadership platform, like what you have, Hussein. You have you have a place here where people can connect with uh, Success Grid, and they can come in and they can, you know, learn about how to grow their business, how to grow, you know, you have a lot of skills and tools and you're doing a great job at this. So as you do that, people are going to resonate and they have, where they'll say, this is, this is my guy. I want to learn everything. You know, if you have a course, you have programs, you do, you have events, they're going to be a part of that. So I think if people can, and I think this is probably more available than it's ever been, and it can feel a little intimidating at first. Somebody could say, well, I'm not very extroverted. I just like kind of being at home. I just feels very uncomfortable being on a, a camera or being on a, on a, on a podcast, but Um, I think, you know, when we push ourselves to go out there and educate people on things that we know, um, we don't have to know everything we you know, when we start talking about a topic, we probably know 90 more than 99% of people about a specific topic. So if we can just help try to find a way to educate, uh, there may be an opportunity that that, that grows out of that. So I think uh, following passion is good. I think you know, looking at the economics is good. And I think people kind of they, over time, they kind of fall into, oh, this is kind of where I fit based on my passions, based on the opportunity, based on the mentors around. And I think all those things are important.
0: Now, people in this time uh, should focus more into building a business or should they focus on, on developing their skills for the marketplace, for, the, for a job that they already have, for example?
1: Um, I think everybody's situation is different. Um, I think, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, I'm 41, if somebody's 41 and they're a guy and they've got four children at home and their wife doesn't work, you know, they, they, and their young kids, they may have to kind of be doing their job and just figure out how to make it work. It may be a little harder. Um, You know, I was pretty motivated. I, I looked at, you know, either at least in real estate, you either have time or you have money and I really didn't have either. So I just kind of made the time. I just said, hey, I'm gonna take the time and I just educate myself and learn. And while I was educating myself, while I was learning, I started taking action. A lot of people, they, you know, they, they, like I think about 90% of it's mindset, right? You know, Tony Robbins, who I follow, he says, it's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. So when someone actually makes a decision that, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start this business, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this job. So I think if people have it in their heart, I just know for me, as I turned 40, I was like, I know at the end of my life, I would regret if I didn't go 100% after my dream. And I've been really, I haven't had one regret about doing it. But you know, it could have been that it failed, and I, I you know, but I kind of looked at the worst case scenario. I was like, well, if it fails, if it doesn't work, I could always go back to selling medical devices. So I think a lot of times we put in our head that it's this way bigger risk than it is. Um, but I think, you know, some people are just geared for it and have always done, I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, to me, I've, I've had some entrepreneurial, yes, I've just, I've never really done it until recently. And I wish I'd done it sooner, but there's a saying when the student is ready, the teacher appears.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you mentioned, the most important thing in life is actually to take action because if we keep thinking about things or planning is good, but if you don't actually turn it into physical action or certain uh, things that you do in the business you it's useless it's not good it's going to sit there on the shelves and you won't uh, do anything it's like reading books reading books is good right but if you don't try to get some nuggets and apply certain things from it uh, then it's, it's it's useless so yeah so speaking of books what, what, what kind of uh, books do you recommend you mentioned like Rich Dad, Poor Dad,
1: what other books that you think are good, a good read, for example? Yeah, so I read a lot of books. I, I keep a list, I'll just check my list here. There's a really good book that's called uh, Never Split the Difference. And it was written by a former uh, FBI hostage negotiator uh, in the US. And he had all these stories in here. It's just basically about how you interact with people and how you, um, you know, just simple interactions and ways people are motivated. How it's, it's an excellent, excellent book. Called never split the difference. There's another one out called the third door. So like the like door number three, the third door, and it's about this kid who was 19 years old who wanted to go and interview Bill Gates and Lady Gaga and all these things, whatever. And he basically found a way to do it. He found that with every successful person, there was he used this idea. And I I don't know how this works in Jordan. I'm not really a nightclub kind of person. But in the U.S., there are these nightclubs and people stand outside and they wait to get into the nightclub. And he said there's three entrances into the nightclub is one is this big long line where people are standing outside and it's a, you know, a mile long and most people stand and wait there. There's the second entrance, which is the VIP entrance where people pull up in their limousines and they get out and they go right into the the club. The third one is where you get out of line, you run down the back alleyway, you knock on the window, you sneak in through the the, the floor, you find a way through the kitchen. You just find another way in. And he basically (laughs) made the analogy that almost every single person had this third door experience. So, uh, I guess, you know, the, the kind of the principle there is, it's not a conventional, hey, I go do this, I get this degree, I check this box, whatever, everybody's that's been successful, they found their way, and they always found an unconventional way to do it. So that book was just really encouraging on that note. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like you mentioned, it's very important, because sometimes like, Earlier when we talked about plans when you set a deadline, if it doesn't work on the deadline, you have to keep going at it and set a new deadline. Like I think Brian Tracy always also said that. So uh, yeah, you have to keep going until you achieve what you want to achieve and taking action along the way, not just sleep on it. So yeah. I was going to ask you that, that what is something interesting that me that might be about you. And you actually talked about your right song. So is there anything else?
1: Yeah, no, I I, uh, I have a lot of interesting things about me. I, I think I a couple of things. One, I love traveling, like I mentioned. So I've been to 40 countries so far. So maybe one day I'll come visit you in Jordan and we'll have a, uh, a coffee yes. or or whatever we you know uh, have a have a good meal there. or Something It'd be yeah. fun. But love traveling. I also do a um, something called Spartan races, which are these um, kind of mud run type of obstacle course races where you climb over things, or you submerge, or you lift heavy things up a hill, and you also run in between. So they're very uh, intense, but they're fun, and it gives me motivation to stay healthy. So it's fun.
0: So you mentioned earlier also that certain business owner entrepreneurs should miss, basically we should be focusing on certain things and good at certain things, but we might not be good at certain things, right? So what would you say, things that you are not good at?
1: Yeah. So I think it is important to know your strengths. There's a great uh, assessment called strengths Finder, or there's some other personality things that are really helpful. Uh, I would say in general, um, I am good at talking with people. I'm good at presenting information. I'm good at uh, creating resources. I'm not as good at just mundane kind of repetitious tasks. So I try to, I try to hand those over to other people. Um, I'm not as good at, you know, sometimes I'm very organized. Sometimes I'm more disorganized. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think there's just things that, you know, I like to think I'm good at a lot of things, but uh, it's probably good that I'm not good at certain things just to kind of help have other people do it. So I think I, I am you know, somewhat visionary where I can say hey, this is where I want to go. Uh, I think where I need help sometimes is, OK, what's the plan to do? How are we actually going to do that? You know, what's, who, what's the implementation here to make that happen?
0: Yeah, cool. So do you think that is something that I missed? talking about certain things especially real estate investing for let's say beginners if you can add to to, to 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 this
1: yeah so um you know again it can feel really overwhelming it's very common if somebody wants to get into real estate And like i mentioned you can have money or you can have time uh, and you can invest one of those you don't necessarily like when i started i didn't have a lot of money but i invested my time and then i found a way to create value actually i really didn't have a lot of time but i just made the time so i think um you know, and, and really it starts with just learning, just educating yourself. I have uh, my YouTube channel, Bronson Hill. If you search Bronson Hill on Bronson Hill Real Estate, you'll find a bunch of stuff on there. And there's all kinds of resources out there. We actually have a coaching program called Kingdom REI, which is dedicated to helping individuals to learn how to do this. So we do weekly and Regular coaching with individuals to uh, to help them to to grow and it puts people in a community of others that are doing the same thing. But I think the biggest thing that I would say for somebody starting is um, take action. But but try to go to as many conferences, meetups, ask questions. You know, I'm sure in anybody's network, there's somebody in their world that does real estate investing, not necessarily selling real estate because being a, a real estate agent or selling real estate that's kind of different than actually investing. So I think if you just go and you just ask questions, people are usually very open to talk about their experiences if you come with a humble attitude. So it's amazing how you can just learn from anybody's story if you just kind of come with the right attitude.
0: Yeah, exactly. You you must learn. So <laughs> I believe that if you learn and apply what you learn and take actions, hopefully, well, not hopefully, well, for sure, with time you will arrive at, at your destination, right? Do you think that's correct?
1: Yeah. I, I think it's 100% true. There's there's something that happens often that if you're like me and you have uh, the background as an employee, um, you know, if you're an employee, you work at a company. Uh, if you make too many mistakes, you'll get fired, right? You will actually get you'll, yeah. you'll get fired. But as an entrepreneur or as somebody who's starting, and if you are in real estate or you're doing an online business, well, you're an entrepreneur. Even if you still have another job, that you're an entrepreneur. There, you have to be willing to make a lot of mistakes. And, and, and quickly learn, just, just to learn from them. But you, you can't kind of get stuck and just analysis paralysis is, is real, but it's just being willing to actually make mistakes. There's another good book by the same author, Robert Kiyosaki, a book called Before You Quit Your Job. And it basically talks, it describes that analogy about an entrepreneur versus an employee, the mindset. But he said, being an entrepreneur is like jumping out of a plane without a parachute and trying to assemble one before you hit the ground. <laughs> And I think it's really true. <laughs> even 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 if you can't fully assemble a parachute, you're trying to create a soft landing. So maybe you can kind of somehow create something and kind of land softly. But um, you know, it, there's risk involved. There's there's things involved. But if you learn and you try, you take action. You're constantly getting feedback and help and talking to other people. Um, you, you're going to learn. And I think at the end of the day the learning is the most valuable part that's how we grow as individuals that's how we grow as humans that keeps us alive That actually keeps us healthy i mean i think of the most unhealthy thing for a lot of older people or people as we get older is we watch five or six hours of tv a day we just turn our brain off right but when we're, we're actually out there applying ourselves, we're working we're growing we're learning um you know over t- you're, it, it's going to produce growth in our life hopefully to produce financial growth in our life but in general it's going to put us in a place where we're continually growing and i think that's really what we should strive after
0: yeah, that's very important. So, Bronson, when can people get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, so um, love talking about uh, this is a great conversation. I think a lot of tie-in with with business, business owners, and things. And I, I think you know our business really is we help uh, you know individuals to. Uh, either to do real estate, you know themselves and teach them on our coaching program, or we have people that actually passively invest where they want to join or they want to hear about our investor club. So we have an investor club at BronsonEquity.com, my website. I also have this book. It basically I have a couple of books This one is how to use inflation to your advantage. That's on my website. This other one is also there too, and it's something that you mentioned. It's the single best investing strategy during and after a pandemic uh these both talk about you know there's stuff in there about multifamily investing apartment investing and how to get involved with it but i really appreciate you having me on hussein this has been a lot of fun
0: well, awesome awesome thank you
1: thank you for listening to this episode of success grid make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and if you found value in the show rate and leave a review on itunes For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.